going to do a chapter tonight. I did two chapters last week. Did everybody notice that? Yes. That was impressive, wasn't it? So I'm going to slow it down again. I'm going to go back to one chapter. And the reason is I'm going to do another chapter in the New Testament. A couple of chapters in the New Testament. Uh, because I think it plays plays well into it. We're in chapter 24. We'll do chapter 24 uh, on the receiving of the law of God and the commitment to the new covenant that was given. Covenant is a... When you think about the word covenant, um, think of testament. Uh, and I always think about... When I, think, I see the word covenant in the Bible, I think about the last will and testament. Uh, because that's what the testament means. When you look at your book, your Bible, your Bible is split up into two texts. You have the Old Testament and you have the New Testament. Um, I go with Charles Spurgeon on the on his sayings that the Old Testament is the most elegant uh, mansion you've ever seen in your life, and the New Testament turns the lights on so you can see the detail. Okay, that's why I'll deal with a little bit out of the Gospel of John tonight too, also to deal with this text. Let's have a word of prayer, and we'll jump into chapter 24 of the book of Exodus. Father, we come before your throne to hear your word, um, to see you, to realize you, to draw to you, to embrace you, to be overwhelmed by you. Father, when I look at this text and I think of two million people standing at the mount of, at the foot of a mount, Sinai, uh, hearing Jehovah explained to them this is what we were about and um, the awe that must have been there and yet Father we who are your children this day under the New Testament um, may we have that same awe to understand that we are children of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords of you who spoke and maintain existence Father, help us to your glory and praise. Amen. <clears throat> then he said to Moses, this is God, said to Moses, come up to Yahweh. You and Aaron, Nadab, Bayou, and the 70 elders of Israel, and you shall worship at a distance. So God has given a, an, an order, a commandment that they all come up to. I want to get you to get the picture. You've got Mount Sinai and everybody is at the foot of it. And you've just been listening to God speak from chapter 19 through chapter 23. And he's giving them um, basic social law. He's giving them civil law. He's giving them religious law. And they have been presented and they have been written down. All right, and now he's saying, you who are the leaders, you who represent Israel, come up to me. All right, at a distance, come up to me. All right, Moses alone, however, shall come near to Yahweh, but they shall not come near, nor shall the people come up with him. All right, so he's, he's delineating it, and God is making this very important that I can only be approached by those I ask to approach me. Please understand that. That's the Old Testament. That is the Old Covenant. Now who approaches? Remember what Jesus said? No one comes to the Father except through me. 
And he says, I am like Moses. I will be lifted up on a staff. And he was, he was on a cross. All right. So Moses is the first picture that you're going to get of what Christ is. All right. So here's what he says. Moses came up and recounted to the people all the words of Yahweh and all the ordinances and all the people answered in one voice and said, all the words that which Yahweh has spoken, we will do. We will do. All right. Verse four says, now write them down. All right. They've been hearing it. The whole people have heard it. All right. But now it is time. Now it is time to hear. Now it is time. We're going to write it down. This will be the thing that will. One of the things that is amazing about this text to, to date, Israel has never been a nation. Okay. It was a family. And they had multiplied, they had grown under 400 years of serving the Egyptians. And now God has pulled them out of Egypt and he's saying, now you will be a nation. You're going to be a country. I will give you the land and you will take these ordinances, this testament, this covenant. And when you put it into place, I will be your God. I will be your God. All right. And, 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 and you're not going to be like the, the look what he says there in verse four. You're not going to be like the pagans. Moses wrote down all the words of Yahweh. And then he arose early in the morning. He built an altar at the foot of the mountain with 12 pillars for the 12 tribes of Israel. Remember, he's already said, when you go into the new country, and you come across a pillar written to a pagan God. What are you supposed to do with the pillar? Destroy it. Tear it down. I don't want any God's name around me. All right? No problem. No problem whatsoever. All right? So now I have 12 pillars around the altar. Why? The 12 tribes. I'm going to place it alongside the altar. Here's this place where Moses is building for the ratification, the ceremony of the covenant. It will be ratified. All the people will swear, yes, this is what we will do. And that's what they've already said. All the words which Yahweh has spoken, what does it, what do they say? We will do. Now think about that for a second. You got 2 million people They've watched this cloud come down on this mountaintop and there's been lightning and thunder and then there's been the sound of trumpets and then the voice of God has spoken. And these people are what? Scared. They're afraid. They are afraid. Why? God is speaking. And it is terrifying. You know, and I always go back to, and I'll get, reiterate this, when Jesus was sleeping in the bow of the boat in the storm, and the storm and the waves were crashing over the bow of the boat, and he stood up and he stopped the storm. All right? When the storm was crashing and they thought they were going to drown, it says they were very afraid. But when God stood up in their boat and made it stop, they become exceedingly very afraid. And that would be too. It would be too. I mean, it's one thing to drown. It's another thing to have God in your boat making it stop. That would have scared me. Okay? Look what he says. Verse 5. He sent for the young men of the sons of Israel and offered them burnt offerings and sacrifice and bulls as a peace offering to Yahweh. 
All right. Moses took half of the blood, put it in bases, and the other half of the blood, he did what? He sprinkled on the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant, what he's written down, verse 4. He's written all of this down. And in verse 4, he says, the book of the covenant, read it in the hearing of the people. I've written down what you've all just heard. I wrote it down, and I wrote it down. And the book of the covenant, read it in the hearing of the people. And they said... All that Yahweh has spoken, what? We will do. We will do. And we will be, what? Obedient. Why? These people are terrified. Please understand that. Why? They are in the presence of God. Yes, he is this cloud. He is this thunder. He is this lightning that is down on this mountaintop. But the truth of the matter is, they're freaking out. They've been brought out of Egypt. They've watched Pharaoh's army be drowned. They've watched water come out of a rock. They've had food that just comes out of nowhere that is given to them. And he's, God keeps telling them, you know, by day I am a cloud that keeps you out of the heat of the desert and I will guide you. And by night I am a pillar of fire that I will keep you warm. I am in charge of every aspect of your life. And the people of Israel, these two million people out in the desert are freaking out. They don't know what to do. And this voice begins speaking out of the cloud. They all hear it. And Moses is saying, here it is, and write it down. And they're writing it down, and they're all ready. They're all ready. And, and you have, without the shedding of blood, blood is the ratification. An innocent animal died so that there is now a blood covenant between the people who hear and what God has said. God said, this is my law. And the people said, in this blood covenant, I will do it. The blood signifies that the only way that this testament, this covenant is broken is by what? Death of one of the two. Well, one is God. He ain't dying. The other one would be the Israelites. And the only time you're free of this blood covenant is when you die. And it has been sealed in blood. All right. How important is that? Go to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. John's Gospel, chapter 1. Okay? He sprinkles the people, and he says, by sprinkling all of you people, you have entered into a blood covenant with God. You've accepted this and you will be obedient to this. How important is this? Go to Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 11. Verse 11. What does it say? He came to his own. And those who were his own. What? Did not receive him. They did not receive him. How does the text start? In the beginning was the what? Word. And the word was with God. And the word 
was God. All right? What do you have in Exodus 24? It's the Word. And what happened? They received it and they accepted it. What happened when the Word became flesh and walked among them? What happened? They didn't receive it. Go over to chapter 12 of the Gospel of John. Chapter 12, and we'll pick it up, verse 37. Okay, now, I want you to think about this. This is key. This is as crucial as anything that you will ever look at in the Word of God. Verse, or chapter 12, verse 37. But though he had performed so many signs before them, what? They did not believe in him. Why? It goes back to chapter 1. I already showed it to you. Verse 11. His own, who knew the word, who looked at the word, who heard the word, who were expecting Messiah, who were looking for Messiah, who wanted redemption, who wanted salvation, who wanted to go to heaven. What? They did not receive him. Even when he did miracles, so many miracles in front of him, what happened? They didn't believe him. But look what verse 38 says. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet. Okay? The word of Isaiah the prophet, what would that be? In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. Listen, if you take the scriptures and you believe parts of the scriptures. Do you know what that says? It says you're not saved. You either take the covenant or you don't. Or you don't. Lord, who has believed our report and to whom Has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this reason, they could not believe. For Isaiah again said again, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart so they would not see. With their eyes perceive and with their heart be converted and I would heal them. That's amazing. Drop down to verse 42. Nevertheless, many even of the rulers believed in him. Now watch this. Many of the rulers believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing him, for they what? Feared that they would be put out of the synagogue. Verse 43, what? They loved the approval of men rather than the approval of God. Let me, I, I give you this because I want you to see that nothing has changed. 
There are many today who stand at the quote-unquote foot of Mount Sinai. And what I mean by the foot of Mount Sinai, they listen to preachers, biblical preachers. They listen to men expound the word of God. They are involved in church. They may be involved in ministries. They may be involved in missions. They may be giving to the church. They may give part of the church. But you know what's amazing about them? They don't believe. They don't believe. It fulfills what Isaiah the prophet has already said. We were warned. We were warned. And it goes all the way back to Mount Sinai when God gave them the word of God. He gave them the word. This is who I am. This is what I'm about. This is how I do it. And it says they did not believe. For though he had performed many signs before them, they were not believing in him. Why? It was the Word incarnate. John 1 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And He walked among us. He walked among us. Listen, if you take parts of the Scripture and that's what you hang on, listen, if you don't have a love for the book, how do you love Jesus? If you do not love Jesus, how do you love God? If you do not love Jesus or God or the book, how do you love the church? You don't. You don't. Go back to your text in um, Exodus 24, verse 9. Verse 8, Behold the blood of the covenant which Yahweh has made with you in accordance to all of these words. You have agreed. This is from the word of God. This is what God has said. Therefore, I will do it. And then Moses went up with Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and 70 of the elders. And they saw the God of Israel. And under his feet, what appeared to be a pavement of sapphire, of sapphire. They saw God and those who accompanied Moses. Well, I thought nobody had seen God. We don't know what they saw. But they knew they were in the presence of God. Okay? You got to remember something. When Jesus was standing here and walking around among the people, who was it they were seeing? It was God. If you've seen me, you have seen the Father. For I and the Father are one. They saw God of Israel. And under his feet, it's like a, a footstool thing. Under his feet. You know why? You know why I see that? And I read that. And if you go back to the Hebrew text, I'm not going to get into the syntax of the text. But these people were so freaked out. The 70 elders and Aaron and Nadab and Abihu were so freaked out. You know what they were doing? They were looking down. They just kept doing this. Why? It scared them. It scared them. Yet he did not stretch out his hand against the nobles of the sons of Israel. And they saw God and they ate and they drank. Okay, verse 10 talks about this um, uh, sapphire. It's an opaque blue. An opaque blue. It was a sign of royalty for Egypt and Mesopotamia. It was a very precious stone, the sapphire. And it was of that color that they were looking at. They were beholding this and God was using it as a footstool. To man, it was royalty. 
To God, it is a footstool. A footstool. All right. Now, I want you to get this picture because they've taken and slaughtered animals and they've taken the blood and they've poured it on the altar and they've taken the other half of the blood and they've sprinkled the people and the people have said what? We receive your word. We believe your word. We will follow your word. Okay? And yet... When the word became flesh and walked among them, God's own did not receive him. Okay? And even when he did all the miracles and signs to validate who he was with, what happened? They did not believe him. Why? They were more afraid of the scorn of the Pharisees than they were the scorn of God. You know what? I see that as the bane in the church today. Okay? I see that in the church today. People are more concerned about what man says, what man promotes, what man encourages, than what God says. Let's be realistic. If you take the average Christian today, ask yourself a simple question. You see the average Christian today. I don't care who it is. Are they afraid of God? But the Bible teaches that fear of the Lord is the beginning of salvation. And you know what? You don't lose the fear. And what I mean by fear, I ain't that, oh God, I think God is going to whoop me. I'm talking about a reverence for who he is. Who is he? I mean, why do we debate his word? Why do we quarrel over his word? Why do we fight over footnotes that ain't his word? Okay, now I want to show you something phenomenal here. Verse 12. Now Yahweh says to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and remain there, and I will give you stone tablets with the law and the commandment which I have written for their instruction. Okay, listen, he's got people already taking down what God has already said. But God says, I want you to understand how important this is. I will what? Write it in stone. Write it in stone. Okay? It is revelation. Remember what I shared with you? When you go through the Bible, one of the things you have to watch for in the Bible is what? God revealing himself. This is who I am. And one of the ways he revealed himself to Moses and the nation of Israel was what? A cloud came down on the mountain. They hear the voice speaking forth and the trumpets and the thunder and the lightning and all the people hear it and they are wigged out. And they're writing it down saying, we promise we'll always do this. I'll never go. It's all right. And you know what? I watch people in the church today who go through the same thing. Maybe not with the voice of God speaking to them, but they get on their knees in the midst of heartache, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of losing everything. And what do they do? They pray their brains out. Last week, there's a little episode happened in my home and, um, my daughter came to me and she says, you know what, Dad? I, I studied for a year in Israel. I studied in a Bible college for four years. I got my degree in it. And in that time frame between 6 o'clock and 9 o'clock on Thursday morning last week, I've never prayed that 
hard before. Why? Something scared her. Something scared her. And you know what? I guarantee you, when something scares you, you become the absolute most profound prayer warrior that the world has ever seen. And then after that, what happens? I'm cooking with Crisco. It's okay, Lord, I'll handle it. All right. If you're standing there with two million people at the mountain and all of a sudden a cloud comes down, there's flashing and lightning. And he says, you know what? If an animal comes up on this foothill of this mountain, you stone that animal and you kill it. Nobody comes up here unless I call for him and I will speak to you and I'm going to tell you the things to do and don't. Okay. And everybody's going, okay. And then they decide, you know what? Moses, you go talk to him and whatever you come back and tell us, we'll do. And we'll sacrifice an animal. We'll sp- sprinkle blood all over everybody. And why? Because it's the word of the Lord. The law of God has come forth. And I will do it. <clears throat> Later on in this text, in, in the book of Exodus, in chapter 31, verse 18, they call it the tablets of the testimony. In Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 9, it calls it the tablets of the covenant. What are they? It's the Ten Commandments. It's the law of God has been given, God revealing, and this is how you will see me, this is how you will treat me, and this is what you will do among your peoples. And then, when God of the covenant takes on the veil of humanity, what happened? They did not believe. What happens a little later in this text? How many of these people who are standing at the foot of the mountain go into the promised land? Two. Two. Out of 2.2 million or 1.5, between 1.5 and 2.2 million, depending on what number you want to look at, out of all those people, two go into the promised land. How's it come? We said we believe, but we didn't, but we didn't. Your Lord says to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and remain there. And I will give you stones of tablets and the commandments that I've written for their instruction. So Moses arose with Joshua, his servant, and Moses went up on a mountain of God. See, Mount Sinai just got a new name. It's called the mountain of God. But the elders, he says, wait here. For us until we return to you. And behold, Aaron and her are with you. These are the guys of my left and right hand man. And whoever has a legal matter, let him approach them. If something comes up while I'm gone, let him approach them. And Moses went up on a mountain. And the cloud covered the mountain. God covered the mountain. And ministered unto Moses. And the people got this view. What? Who is God intimately involved with here? Moses. So I need to probably listen to Moses. See, this is, I want you to think about this for a second because it says Jesus did many more signs and miracles. And what happened? 
Nothing. Robert Murray McShane was writing. He, he had gone to Israel in uh, like 1830, something like that, to, to see what, was, what could be done for the gospel in Israel. And um, I, I, I listened to that and, and I read some of that, that text that, that he dealt with when he was there. And you know what? They're still hard-hearted. They're still hard-hearted. Why? They turned him down. They turned away from him. They did not want his word. His word. The tablets of the covenant. The tablets of the testimony. Okay, this 16 through 18, you see, the glory of God rests upon Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it for six days. And on the seventh, he called to Moses from the midst of the cloud. Okay. What you have here is the end of the first two trips to Mount Sinai. But in chapter 32, verse 6, you'll see there was 40 days and 40 nights at Mount Sinai. Does that sound familiar? There are 40 days of the wilderness that Jesus had. cloud covered the mountain the glory verse 16 says the glory of Yahweh rested on Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it for six days and on the seventh day he called Moses from the midst of the cloud and to the eyes of the sons of Israel the appearance of the glory of Yahweh was like a consuming fire on the mountaintop you know what that's like right that's that bush thing not not George okay the bush that looked like it was on fire, looked like it was being consumed, but all it was is the Shekinah glory of God. It looks like it consumes everything. The shining of God is so great. It looks like a fire. The problem is it doesn't consume. In the eyes of the sons of Israel, the appearance of the glory of Yahweh was like a consuming fire. They could see what was going on. They could understand what was going on. They understood that Moses was in the presence of God. They had understood that whatever God says, we're going to do. Really? How many of us do the same thing today? Verse 18, Moses entered into the midst of the cloud and he went up to the mountain and Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. 40 days and 40 nights. The Shekinah of God, the, the glory of God was resting on a mountain. Moses disappeared for 40 days and 40 nights. Let me tell you something. The whole crowd was impressed. The whole crowd was impressed. Chapter 25 through 31 we see this importance because God says through to Moses and brings it back down Israel's worship and relationship with Yahweh. I wonder in the church today how many people have an awe at who God is. You know, that's one of the things that, you know, and I'll close with this thought. One of the things that I admire the most when I, I, I go to the lands of Russia is that they read the word and it is this simple. Thus saith God. Thus saith God. 
They don't debate it. They don't understand. Well, what was the historical significance of that? I mean, the audacity of the church today to try to edit Scripture. And that's what it does. The church tries to edit Scripture. How silly is that? And yet that is the arrogance that we possess. When you look at this text, brothers and sisters, it is so easy to say, well, this is an Israelite thing and this is a Moses thing. And, you know, they're not even in the promised land thing. So I ain't going to worry about it. But I can take this text and I can transpose it into chapter one of the gospel of John and say, thus saith the Lord. Nothing has changed. You know, look at what we do with the gospel today. We want people saved. Absolutely. There's nothing wrong with that. But we have taken the gospel and we have cheapened it so it's easy. All you have to do is say this prayer and believe. Really? Is that all it takes to be saved? No. The Bible teaches us that you are not your own. You have been bought and paid for with a price. Peter says, with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, you're not your own. You have a new master. You have a new master. And I think about us today. I think about the church today. And I think we're no different than Israel on the mount, on the foot of Mount Sinai. We see what God does. We know what God does. It freaks us out. It scares us at times. And you know what? It doesn't scare us enough that we change. That's amazing to me. If you would have known the Apostle Paul when he left Jerusalem to go arrest Christian in Damascus and Jesus Christ approached him on the road to Damascus and you've seen him after that little encounter, there's no doubt in your mind something has happened. You saw Moses take you out of the land of Egypt and you've seen him go up in the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights and come back with that Shekinah glory thing going on. Guess what? You're going to know that something had happened. The question is, why don't I retain it? Why don't I retain it? And that's the very reason that this group of people who stood on the mountain, who heard God, a group of 70 elders, Abihu and Nahab and Aaron and Moses, they never entered the promised land. They never entered. Caleb and Joshua, out of that generation, the only two that go in. The only two that go in. Why? Because they said, if God is for us, who can be against us? How about you? If God is for you, who can be against you? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the amazing picture that you gave us through our brother Aaron and then Moses. And Father, I, 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 I am overwhelmed by it. And yet, Father, I think about the gospel of John uh, your people did not receive you. Father, let us not be in that group. Father, let us strive to walk in a manner that brings glory and praise and honor unto you. Father, may we rest in your word. May we rest and we do not separate your book from you. And when your word says it, we smile and say amen. With joy in our hearts, understanding that you're working and you're guiding. Father, I just thank you and I praise you for this night. Father, I thank you and I praise you for your word. And Father, I praise you and thank you. And we have Israel. 
to warn us of what not to do. In Christ's name, amen.